morning, everyone. Greetings in Jesus' name. Actually, I have another song I'd like to sing before we get into the message. You may have seen the song sheet sitting there by your chair. It's not where you've been. It might be a new song to some of you, so I think we'll sing it before the message and then again after the message. It's not where you've been. No the depths of the sea and east from west is where Jesus said he's removed. All my sins put away and humbly confessed and the way he has written tis proved. It's not where you've been, but where you are going, for the Lord will faithfully guide you along. He forgives all your sin and washes you clean, and the past is forever gone. I'm living in victory and all oh, what peace the joy of the Lord is so sweet I will never turn back with him at my side he's my strength he's my comfort release it's not where you've been but where you are going for the Lord will faithfully guide you along. He forgives all your sins and washes you clean. And the past is forever gone. All glory to God, oh praise His name. Such love he has given mankind Today and tomorrow he's always the same And his word is so precious you'll find It's not where you've been but where you are going For the Lord will faithfully guide you along. He forgives all your sins and washes you clean, and the past is forever gone. Thank you. All right, like was mentioned in the devotional, I appreciate that very much, Dale. Um, Here we are at the threshold of year 2024. Where does this find me? Where does it find you? Um, A lot has happened in a year's time. We talk about that a lot. Where has time gone? And significant markers like this, like New Year's, cause us to reflect again on the passing of time. And I believe a year ago that was, um, may have been the title of my message, the passing of time, where time is moving on. And so quickly we are here at New Year's Eve, again, end of a year and beginning of a new 
causes us to reflect on our past life and also question and wonder what the future may hold. Quite a few thoughts are running through my head when I was considering what to bring for a New Year message, and some quotes that help with that were, um, well, for one, it was T.S. Eliot. What we call the beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. Harriet Beecher Stowe, the past, the present, and the future are really one. They are today. And Jason Zweig, forecasting, it's his definition of forecasting, an attempt to predict the unknowable by measuring the irrelevant. And Warren Buffett, predicting rain doesn't count, building arcs does. And then, of course, the song was going through my mind, where it's not where you've been, but where you are going. So that was reason for singing that this morning. Today we are caught between the past and the future, you could say. We have that whole year behind us and the whole new year ahead of us, Lord willing. You and I both could think of instances in our life where we face the same thought-provoking moment, not just on New Year's, that marker, that life change, that life-changing moment we wish um, was behind us rather than before us. We wish we could predict the future or change the past. These moments tend to cause unrest and fear in our human hearts. However, uh, there is an alternative, stability and peace, and that is found in Christ. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's how T.S. Eliot's statement is true. Jesus helps us make a fresh start, learn from the past, make the past the beginning. And also that's how the past, present, and future, future are really one, just as Harriet Beecher Stowe said. That's how they are today. It's through Christ. And to Jason's Zweig's statement on forecasting, we don't need to forecast an unforeseeable future on irrelevance because Jesus is already there. He holds the future for us and directs us. He knows the future. And to Warren Buffett, we don't know if, when, or how much it may rain, but we built an ark according to Jesus' blueprint, just like Noah. He built an ark to the saving of his house, an ark that um, we follow Jesus' proof blueprint will keep us safe and protect us through whatever the path of life brings. So with the connection of the past, present, and future, what is our responsibility as we come to the end of a year and face a new one? My thoughts um, were drawn to the children of Israel at the cusp of reaching the promised land. I'd like to read chapters 3 and 4, Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. Then it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest of the Levite, and, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. 
And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive up from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. And it came to pass, when the people were removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon and heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratin, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain. Even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe and man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up, every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among, among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? And you shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the Ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua. And the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priest in the presence of the people, and the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, passed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses spake unto them. About forty thousand prepared for war passed over the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests, that they bear the ark of the testimony, that they, that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of 
Jordan returned unto the place and flowed over all his banks as it did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan to Joshua pitched in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? And ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Okay, so I titled the message, The Past and the Future is Now. What is the real meaning of this, and what can we learn from the children of Israel and Joshua as we consider marching um, into 2024? Basically, I'm just going to go through these verses, um, pick out some application examples, no particular order necessarily. Um, Making the past and the future now takes purpose. Um, In the devotions, Dale mentioned about Daniel purposing in his heart. It's way easier to coast along and live life for now only and not take into consideration the past and the future. Any strategic planning for government, business, and all successful organizations looks at more than just now. And I think it's fair to say that for all areas of a fulfilling life, it's not just about now. It's about life as a whole, and it takes purpose. We see Joshua had purpose in chapter 3, verse 1. He rose early in the morning, and he and all the children of Israel moved toward the looming obstacle. Moving on to the next verses, Joshua and the officers began to give direction for moving forward. And then in verse 5, Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. If we expect great things from God for us, our hearts need to be sanctified. Sanctification has to do with our past, with our present and future. Cleanse from our weakness peace in our hearts now and hope for the future. I wonder what all went through their minds as they considered their hearts. Like you and me, they had regrets from wandering in the wilderness. They saw the importance of sanctified hearts in order for God to work and the consequences of anything otherwise. The difficulties of the wrong choices they made in the wilderness. And the 40 years of wandering and the passing on of their parents because of unbelief. Verse 6, we see that God must go before. Remember what the Ark of the Covenant was all about. Wasn't it the presence of God? God is past, present, present, and future. He must go before us. We can have the confidence that Joshua and the children of Israel did when God goes before us. Verses 10 and 11. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. This crossing of Jordan was no ordinary thing. Um, If you notice in verse 15, it says, Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Have you ever questioned God's purposes in life? If he knows the past, present, and future, why didn't he time it to bring the Israelites um, to the Jordan right at the lowest point rather than right at the highest point? 
we could talk about God's purposes and reasons for a long time, and it would still be above our human comprehensions. But God's ways are higher than ours. His ways are best. And I think that one of the biggest reasons he chooses to work this way so often is so that he is glorified and so that his people can see great and marvelous things, be encouraged and renewed by his great power. From what I researched on the Jordan River, um, it's, it's not that big of a river when it's not flooded. Today its average is 33 feet wide and six and a half feet deep. I think that's just the average from the beginning to the end. So obviously you have some wide spots and some narrow spots. So ordinarily you could find a wide, shallow place to cross over from what I understand. But even if you couldn't wade across, 30 feet of water is way easier to cross than a flooded one. Historians would say that directly across from Jericho, where the children was across the river was 90 to 100 feet wide in the normal distance and 3 to 10 feet deep. So we could analyze and discuss these points for a while, but the real miracle is that they crossed over on dry ground. Verse 17, the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Back in verse 16, it describes how far the river backed up, at least that's how I understand it. So if you look at a map and figure where these locations are, um, it's estimated that the water backed up 33 kilometers and spread as wide as 3.2 kilometers. And the wall, or the heap that the Israelites would have seen where they crossed, would have been around 100 feet high. God truly wants his people to be in awe and never question his ways. God will see us through wherever and whatever his plan is for us. Not one was left behind. They all passed clean over on dry ground. Now looking at chapter 4, to look a bit at the significance of these 12 stones. Verse 5, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. This is a point that ties past, present, and future together as well, I believe. God has a past, present, and future, but he wants us also to consider consider ourselves and take conscious and deliberate steps to tie it together, the past, present, and future. We look into the past and see memorials, so we learn from the past. Remember God's deliverance. Remember how God has led. This all is so important, but there could be a wrong way of looking into the past. Um, verse 5, Joshua says, Pass over before the ark of the Lord and pick up these stones. God's presence is vital when we consider the past and when we place memorials that change our life. It's all about God's presence. If we don't look into the past with God in it, we're not going to learn anything from it. We can look into the past with God's direction and perspective, and it can encourage us rather than discourage. And the present and the future will not look so insurmountable. We need the presence of the Lord, that linking together of the past, present, and future. So what was the purpose of these stones? For a memorial or a witness to the power of God. In the future, when the children ask what mean these stones, a strong testament to the power of God could be again told and they could marvel at God's presence and his power. The twelve stones represented each tribe, each of us, each of our families, our congregation, God's people as a whole need the presence of God and the reminders of the presence of God. All right, so practical applications on these verses. Are we purposeful in our walk with God? 
We mentioned already how Joshua rose up early in the morning, that personal time with God. We rise early to read his word, pray, and meditate, receive God's direction for the day. We read of people like John Wesley and, and Charles Spurgeon who woke up at 4 o'clock to pray. And we were like, wow, that is discipline and sincerity. No wonder God can work in people like that. We can get up even earlier to make it to the airport on time or to catch up at work and so on. But what are we sacrificing for the single most important factor that uh, makes or breaks our life? Communion and direction from God. Just a side note, um, but did you know that before Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, that the average person slept 11 hours a night? Where am I going with this? Well, maybe our life is too crowded. Um, maybe getting up at 4 o'clock wasn't as big of a deal for some people like John Wesley and Charles Spurgeon. Um, the point is we have to take time. We have to purpose in our hearts to do it. And maybe we are trying to put too much in a day's time. The night is half over before we get to bed and the early morning meditation and communion with God is late and hurried at best. A purposeful walk with God starts a day with purpose and that really is allowing ourselves to be in God's purpose, Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He was 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Proverbs 16, verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 4, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. We need to follow God's leading and direct commands. It started with Joshua as a leader, then to the officers and to the people. Whether we are parents, group leaders, teachers, preachers, sons, daughters, any calling and spot in life, really. We have the leadership responsibility to follow God's direction. Sometimes it's being a leader and standing for truth first, regardless of what others do or say. And um, sometimes it's following and accepting the leadership direction through others. But always it's having the keen sense of following God's word and his calling ourselves personally. Isaiah 30, verse 1 and 9, ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Isaiah 48, 17, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and main deceit after the tradition, men, tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. It's also about keeping our hearts open and honest before God. Remember Joshua said to the children of Israel, Sanctify your hearts, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders for you. If our life seems stagnant and we really wonder what the future holds for us, and even our past seems like it really had no meaning and, and we have a hard time getting over the past. Maybe your hearts aren't where they ought to be. Sanctify your hearts. For the Lord will do wonders among you. Allowing God to sanctify our hearts puts us at rest with the past and gives us hope for the future. We no longer try to control 
the future and we will learn from the past. We will actually embrace the future because we know that God's ways are best and he will provide the means to reach it successfully. Isaiah 43, 18-20 Remember ye not the former things, neither, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. God is the only one that really and truly helps us to come to grips with the past. 1 John 1 8, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us his sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Philippians 3 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this thing one but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Steps of faith. In all the things we talked about so far, we are assuming faith. It takes faith every step of the way. Sometimes it's easier than other times. Maybe we can see the goal on the river on the other side of the river quite easily and, and so we plunge our feet into the water and start marching across but sometimes it might be all we can do just to touch the waters with the tips of our toes and test it a little bit I don't think that's what the priest did here I believe they walked forth in confidence maybe they were expecting to get a bit wet up to the ankles or waist and then God would work a miracle I don't know exactly he did give he did tell them that they would that the waters would go away as soon as they stepped into it but it says, ere their feet were dipped into the brim of the water, it rose up into an heap. So basically, like it was never there. Maybe it's a little like um, young boys who like to stomp in water puddles. You know, you, maybe it's a small enough puddle, you stamp on it, it all disappears. Or if um, this is in such a bigger way. No, they weren't eagerly necessarily running into this water, but... As they placed their foot there, the water just went away. It didn't come rushing back like it would if we stepped into a water puddle. God always honors faith. He never lets people down. If we feel let down in our steps of faith, maybe we had faith in, in what we thought the outcome should be rather than what God's plan really was or is. I think another practical thing to consider is the actual crossing. Is it possible that we could get sidetracked in, in the present miracle that God is leading us through and forget that the promise is on the other side? It says that they all passed over so they did not get sidetracked in this particular instance. Uh, we need to marvel and worship God in his direction and work in our life. But right with that is keeping our sights on the goal. Philippians 3 verse 14. I pressed over the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Suppose we could also become fearful of the path, the looming waters beside us, or what is on the other side. Keep our eyes on the mark. What are some practical applications to the 12 stones? And uh, one thing I learned, how many of you think it was just 12 stones? Okay. Um, I always assumed it was just 12 stones, but if you... Read it. I believe it's actually two sets of 12 stones, right? Something I never actually noticed before. Joshua had 12 men bring 12 stones up out of the Jordan and place them where they dwelt or where they were camping. Then in verse 9 it says, Joshua himself set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, right where the priest stood holding the ark. 
And at the time of the writing of the scripture, it says they are there unto this day. So it was a significant monument that Joshua himself placed in the Jordan. And it likely protruded from the waters when the water returned to its normal level and likely stayed there for many years to come. These other 12 stones it talks about again in verse 20. And those 12 stones which it took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. So what mean these stones? That was really the purpose of these stones, wasn't it? It was so people, so the children and generations following would ask questions and understand. Be reminded of God's promises. Be reminded that God is God of the past, present, and future. What monuments do we put in place for our children? Um, it might be as simple as family worship, singing together, praying together. Dad, Mom, why do you do these things? Maybe it goes back to purposeful living. Are we paying attention to what we are doing so that we have good reason and a good answer for when our children ask why we do what we do or why they see what they see? Why is Sunday a day of rest? Why do we dress different from the world? Why don't we go to the movies? The practical list could go on. Our children will have questions. Are we placing memorials that show consistency and help them understand why we do what we do? Maybe that is where Joshua's 12 stones come into focus. We need to have a pillar, stones, a monument, a firm foundation ourselves in the presence of God that our children cannot miss. The respect and the love that these people had for Joshua grew by leaps and bounds simply because of his dedication to God and his purpose to follow God consistently for himself. Verse 14, On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Our life is an open book for our children and those that look up to us. They will see the consistency or the inconsistency of our life. Make that monument, that altar for ourselves personally. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Isaiah 50, verse 7. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Philippians 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. We could ask this question again. What does this passage have to do with the past and future is now? The children of Israel had a lot of hard things in the past, a lot of failures and unbelief. We go back to the full 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and to the years in Egypt prior to that. Why they were in Egypt in the first place. Their present was facing the Jordan River and crossing that in faith. And their future was across the Jordan, the promised land, the land of Canaan, the hope and promise of a better life. How does it apply to us? And especially as we stand between last year and this year, the past, present, and future move with us always, no matter how old or young we are. If you put a timeline of our life, very small brackets, the older we get, that small bracket moves towards the end of our life. So we always have the past and the future, but the older we get, the larger the past gets, and the older we get, the shorter the future will be. 
aside from eternity, we have eternity to look forward to. But the critical point is that the future is determined by how we are reconciling the past right now to determine the future. And that's how the past and the future is now. We shape the future by learning from the past. Now is when we need to make the difference. It's not where you've been, but where you're going. Still, again, determined by now, the choice that we make right now. Remember who is past, present, and future? It's God. 2 Peter 3, verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Allow God to take control of your life. Take a look at the past, make a difference in the moment, and change the future. The past and the future is now. All right, let's sing this song, It's Not Where You've Been. Oh, oh, the depths of the sea and deeps from west is where Jesus said he's removed. All my sins put away and humbly confessed, and the way he is written is proved. It's not where you've been, but where you are going. For the Lord will faithfully guide you along. He forgives all your sins and washes you clean. And the path is forever gone. I'm living in and oh, what peace, the joy of the Lord is so sweet. I will never turn back with him at my side. He's my strength, he's my comfort release. It's not where you've been, but where you are going for the Lord. forgives all your sins and washes you clean and the past is forever gone all glory to God oh praise his name such love he has given mankind today and tomorrow same and his word is so precious you'll find it's not where you've been but where you are going for the Lord will faithfully guide you along he forgives all your 
sins and washes you clean and the past is forever gone. All right, let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to have hearts of purpose like Daniel. Help us to live each day for you. Pray that you would be with each one of us here this morning, all of your Christians throughout the world. Helps to live victorious and long for that day when you can come to take us home and we can have rest forever. Pray, Lord, you'll be with those who do not know you. Maybe they want to know you, not sure where to turn. Lord, just work in their hearts. Help us to live consistent lives so that those watching can have that longing and, and see that the Christian life is worth living. Pray you would bless the year ahead. Help us to bring this year to a good close and renew and commit our hearts to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.